The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing A Quality of Mercy, the season finale of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Which one? Uh, uh, the, the the good one, the good quality. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it doesn't specify. <laughs> well, we shouldn't strain too much. That's right. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are, as you've heard, Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very good, thanks. Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt featuring us and some Star Trek stuff by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. That's M-E-R-C-H, uh, short for merchandise. So, yeah, you'll, you'll want to get the, the shirt. I love it, and I wear it all the time, and I get a lot of good comments on it. Uh, I want to tell you about another show on the network that you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. You can find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets. So we are talking about this season finale of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And Jimmy, could you give us a recap of what happens? This week, Star Trek does the original series episode, Balance of Terror. The Enterprise is resupplying outposts along the Romulan neutral zone when Captain Pike and his hair meet the son of one of the outpost officers. The son will be one of the cadets that Pike will fail to save in the accident seven years in the future. Rattled by the experience, Pike decides to write a letter to the young man telling him not to be there when the accident happens. But the ghost of Christmas future shows up and future Pike tells present Pike that writing the letter will wreck the future. Future Pike also has a time crystal to show present Pike what the future will look like, and when Pike touches it, he flashes to seven years in the future. The accident has been averted, and Pike is still in command of the Enterprise. And we're at a moment in the original series where the episode Balance of Terror occurred, in which the Federation officers first got to see Romulans. In the new timeline, Captain Kirk is the captain of the nearby ship, Farragut, and the two ships start shadowing the cloaked Romulan warbird that has been testing Federation security by destroying neutral zone outposts. Things go badly, and the Farragut is destroyed, but Kirk and his crew are beamed onto the Enterprise. Both the Enterprise and the Romulan ship are damaged, and Pike negotiates a two-hour truce with the Romulans as a gesture of goodwill to let both sides make repairs. When the two hours are up, a Romulan fleet shows up that was summoned by the sub-commander of the Romulan ship against his commander's orders. At almost the same moment, Captain Kirk shows up with a bunch of robotic mining drones to use to bluff the Romulans into thinking they're facing a rival Federation fleet. When Pike presents the Praetor of the Romulan fleet with evidence of the Federation outposts being destroyed, she destroys the initial Romulan ship on the grounds that it never should have allowed itself to get caught. She then attacks the Enterprise and the fake Federation fleet, and they barely make it out. They learn by subspace that the Romulans have declared war on the Federation because of its apparent weakness, as illustrated by Pike. 
Also, Mr. Spock has been irreparably damaged in the battle. He may die and will never be the same. Future Pike shows up again and explains that the Klingon monks on Boreth showed him that any time Pike tries to change the timeline, Spock will end up dying or otherwise being taken out of action. And Spock is crucial to the future of the galaxy, so terrible things will result. Rather than dump his own tragic fate onto Spock in the galaxy, present Pike reconciles himself to his own fate and deletes the future changing letter. Then, with everything seemingly resolved, Starfleet officers beam on board the ship and arrest number one for hiding her genetic status as an Illyrian. The end. <laughs> Cliffhanger! <laughs> yep. So, I just want to say up front, and, and, and maybe you guys take on this. Uh, this was my favorite episode of the season. This was so good. I, I really oh. love this episode. Um, uh, uh, you don't have to agree, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think of it just overall this episode, Father Corey? I, I thought this I thought this was very, very well done. I, I And it was it was interesting. I know we'll talk more about it, but they made some directorial choices, some, mm. you know, acting choices and so on that that mirrored almost exactly Balance of Terror. Last night I watched Balance of Terror and then this. And I mean, there's lines just right out of it. There's Pike when he's walking around the bridge and he's moving his hand across the console. That's right out of Balance of Terror, stuff like that. I mean, so they they really played this up that this is the same event just with Pike at the helm instead of, uh, instead Kirk, of Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. And so it, it was, it, it was really, really well done. I really enjoyed this. This was, it, I mean, it was a fun episode. It was an interesting episode. It was, yeah, it, it really was a great send off for the first season. Jimmy, your overall take. Um, I thought, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was a bit of a downer to mm. end the season on. Um, especially given that the cliffhanger we get is not integral to the story. I mean, it's a last minute thrown in thing that's mm-hmm. just there to preview what's going to happen next. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it doesn't grow out of this story. It's not like in Best of Both Worlds in the next gen. That was a two parter where you put them in the worst possible spot and then you have your cliffhanger. And now how are they going to get out of it? Well, in this, the main story is all wrapped up. And, and so it's, is it it, for a series that tries to be feel good, you know, which strange new worlds does Mm -hmm. it's, it just, it seemed an interesting choice to me to end the first season with an episode, this dark. Mm. I also don't know why it's called a quality of mercy. Um, I know that, I mean, so uh, properly you would expect it to be the quality of mercy, but there's already a Babylon five episode called that. Hmm. So maybe that's why they changed it from the quality of mercy to a quality of mercy, but I still don't understand what it has, why they call it that. So it originally comes from Shakespeare, Merchants of Venice, right? From right. the Merchant of Venice, where Where's you the, you have Portia yeah. is and it's the, and you have Portia who is pretending to be a lawyer, making a speech to Shylock, pleading for mercy on behalf of her client, and so the completion of the line is the quality of mercy is not strained; it drops from the heavens, and blah 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 blah. And mercy is this mm-hmm. godlike quality that we should all emulate and so forth. And I don't understand why, what that has to do with this episode, because the whole point is Pike was too merciful in dealing with the Romulans and everything went to hell. He needed to be more militaristic like Kirk and just attack. So it may not be actually a direct reference to 
Merchant of Venice, but a reference to a Twilight Zone episode called A Quality of Mercy, oh. which featured uh, Dean Stockwell as the main character, but mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy was in it as well, which is kind of interesting. Oh. And yeah. it's about a time-traveling uh, American soldier in World War II, August 6, 1945, who time-travels back to 1942 and finds himself in the Imperial Japanese Army instead of the U.S. Army. So he's kind of moved. Uh, he's not the same person. He's he's a mm-hmm. and so it's kind of showing um, the the bad guys are they are see themselves as the good guys. And so uh, there might be an element of that. Like if you are uh, uh, in a different position, I don't know. I it's not mm-hmm. an, it's, it's not a Twilight Zone I've seen. So I wonder if maybe there's more to it than I than than that mm-hmm. uh, more greater connection. But yeah. um now I do have to comment. Dean Stockwell in a ser- in a TV show about a person who times travels by jumping into another person. Yeah. That's such a strange idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real quantum leap of an idea. That's a <laughs> exactly for those who might not be old enough to remember. Which I hope we don't have too many of those people. But uh, Quantum Leap was a, was a series with Dean Stockwell uh, and where Captain he was Archer and Captain, Captain Archer, Archer yeah. uh, where D- Dean Stockwell was Al. He was his uh, hollow companion. Uh, so, uh, so that might be where the title comes from. I think the, the, hmm. the, the, the connection. Okay. Still don't um, know what it, why, they, I, I why wonder, they're calling it that, but at least it has time travel in it. Yeah. And I wonder if, if it's, if, if it's kind of playing off balance of terror, quality of mercy, balance of terror, kind of doing that same. Hmm. There's a, an alliterativeness to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or at least a, yeah. Um, but what we're getting but, really uh, is, is, is that we're talking about the nature, basically the nature of free will. And the determinacy of the timeline, you know, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also like to see the nice subversion of Federation ideology in this, that because it's nice to see that let's talk doesn't always work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That Kirk in TOS was, you know, even, as much as he kind of shot from the hip at, at times, it was effective and for a reason. So, yeah. yeah. And that, 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 you know, that ends up being the, the, linchpin the turning point you know where it's like okay because kirk made this choice and pike made that choice the timeline changed yes i went back and re-watched balance of terror after i watched this and just to see the comparison and in balance of terror wow the federation is really weak um <laughs> because they've they've the romulans they've got these eight asteroid listening outposts on the neutral zone and this the Romulans have sent a single ship that has destroyed four of them. And in response, the Federation sends one ship, the mm-hmm. Enterprise, to investigate. And they have ordered them um, not at all costs, do not start a war with the Romulans. And the Enterprise is to be considered expendable to avoid starting that war. And it's like, wow, this is a super hyper def- cold war cautious yeah. posture. Mm-hmm. This is, this is if, I mean, this is, you guys are asking for invasion. Um, if you're not defending yourselves, I mean, if we had uh, Russians blowing up our stuff in the Cold War, we would retaliate and we wouldn't just send one ship and have it be 
Um, I mean, these guys are committing acts of war. They have crossed the neutral zone. They have broken the treaty. They have destroyed four of your listening outposts. That's an obvious prelude to an invasion. Stop them from listening to us so that they don't know what mm-hmm. we're doing when the invasion comes. Um, the, the Romulans are provoking a war here. This is this is they've they've it, it, to selling this is, oh, we're testing their defenses. No, 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 no. You're blowing up listening posts. That's a prelude to invasion. Mm-hmm. Now, just to, to point out to folks who may be new uh, to our show, we've talked about Balance of Terror already. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, so you can hear our full discussion of that episode uh, there. Uh, I note that this the Balance of Terror came out in 1966, just a few years after the Cuban Missile Crisis. So this is the height of the Cold War. And what we're seeing is what happens when mutually you know we have this mutually short destruction if you attack us we'll destroy you and we'll, you know that's what holds us back and what happens when the balance gets someone gets a huge advantage in technology or capability and that's what the Romulans have here with the cloaking device and this plasma weapon is they've gotten this huge advantage and if if we if we are not able to show them that we can respond yeah that we're going to be destroyed and so that's the yeah the federation is weak in comparison to the Romulans here. And I think that's one of the things we're, we're showing in this. In, in the original balance of terror, there is more of a technological balance because even though the Romulans have developed this super weapon, they don't have warp drive. They have impulse drive. Mm. And mm. so Federation, the Federation ships are much faster than the Romulan ones, but less powerful. Right, right. Although, mm. yeah, I think they've walked that, they've kind of ignored that in this one because... You can't yep, have yeah. an impulse drive civilization. That's <laughs> right. But they are weaker in that they, they don't have they, they don't have sensors while cloaked and can't fire while cloaked. And so that's that's what get, returns some of the advantage as well. Um, mm-hmm. So we start with the, the USS Cayuga with Pike's girlfriend. I never I never got her name, by the way. Captain. Oh, Captain Patel. I'm looking here. Memory Alpha. Um, he's made a breakfast. Uh, which is leftover spaghetti, egg, and cheese lightly sautéed, which he calls pasta mama. I, I may with, try that. With, with egg, good. and it's like, that's just carbonara, isn't it? Well, Without bacon. Y- well, also, carbonara is it's a sauce, whereas I think this is more omelette is my guess, is that he's making more an omelette-y. Um, hmm. uh, I, I, I guess it just looked like more like the egg coated the... <laughs> yeah, noodles. So I'm, I'm sounds good to, uh, either way. <laughs> make it, and you can tell you can hear me talk about it on the uh, raising the bets with my 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 wife Melanie. We talk about food and cooking there. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned the the outpost commander's son. He's and when Pike hears the son's name, like he didn't make the connection to the outpost commander's name, the last name. But as soon as he hears the son's name, who's who's got a question for Pike, you know, he wants to ask him something really, you know, technical about the Enterprise. Pike. Like is is shook, <laughs> as they say, mm-hmm. yeah, and has to leave the room. It, it. So, so this is interesting. The uh, in the original Balance of Terror, the commander of Listening Outpost Four is Commander Hansen, and in this, they retcon that number one so that he has a Middle Eastern origin, mm-hmm. and also his name is Commander Hansen Al Salah. Yeah, and. Which, if I'm thinking about it, shouldn't that be pronounced Asala? Isn't I mean S is one of the sun letters in Arabic, if I'm not mistaken. But in any event, um, it, it would be spelled Al Al Salah, and mm-hmm. his son is named Maat Al Salah, and so I'm guessing they're from Egypt. 
um, because Ma'at was the ancient Egyptian goddess of justice and balance and and mm-hmm. so forth and and um it, um it was a super big important goddess in Egyptian mythology because it represented I mean they're living in a desert and Ma'at represents the stability of society so everybody had to work together to promote and preserve Ma'at or stability or organization in society and so um I thought that was interesting um the I, I also and since since they did a race swap with um Commander Hansen I thought they also have uh, Commander Kyle or whatever his rank is, Kyle in this episode. Chief 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 Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. And and I have been watching some original series episodes recently and Kyle's in a number of them. And he's just so clearly a different guy. I mean, he's this British guy. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I decided, okay, um, so they've been doing these race swaps, but... um, Genetics may be cosmetics in the 23rd century. <laughs> yeah. And and so so I so my headcanon now is whenever they do a race swap, it's it's just because the person has decided to change their genes. And <laughs> sure. and so it's like f- different fashions. You know, you change your hairstyle every so often. You change your clothing style every so often. You change your genotype every so often. Uh, okay. And <laughs> and so that so it's really is the same Kyle. He's the same guy, <laughs> same guy, different, different cosmetic uh, genetic surgery. There you go. Well, we, we know that that chapel can just give them a shot that makes them yeah. look like a completely different alien species. So why not, you know, do a little bit of facial change, you know, maybe make you look a little, you know, heavier or lighter or, you know. Yeah. And that explains <laughs> your skin April. color. Yeah. It explains Robert April, too. It's like, OK, I think I'll be a black guy now or I think I'll be a white guy now or I think I'll be an Asian now. Whatever, you know, <laughs> that would be a true colorblind society. Uh, <laughs> so Pike back in his quarters decides to write a letter to, as you mentioned, write a letter to Ma to, to tell him don't go into Starfleet. Um, and that's when future Admiral Chris Pike in the Rathacon era uniform shows yep. up. He still has great hair. Yeah. Um, he doesn't yep. write to warn him not to enter Starfleet. He writes to warn him not to be on that ship when oh, the accident right, happens. Right. Don't be, yeah, not, don't be the there on that day. Yeah, Because he, he does encourage him to pursue his dream of Starfleet. Right. Just don't go there uh, that day. True, mm-hmm. true. Uh, and that's when uh, P- Future Pike warns him that right he'll wreck the future when you, by writing this letter. And he tells him that the monks of Boreth sent him back with a time crystal to give the opportunity to show Captain Pike how he wrecks everything, <laughs> which is an interesting plot <laughs> device, which is like the idea of showing our heroic character as the one who wrecks everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's an interesting uh, plot, an interesting story idea. There's also an interesting thing here in that he says that he convinced the monks at Boreth to let him show Pike the future. And Pike says, questions that. And and future Pike says, well, you know, our Klingon friends, there's very few things they wouldn't prefer to solve with a batleth. <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, wait. I can un- <laughs> They wanted you to just kill your prior self. Okay, 
that has paradox written all over it. Yeah. And <laughs> how does how does that if you're trying to convince him that he must submit himself to this accident seven years in the future, how would attacking him with a batleth help with that goal? I saw that, too. Yeah, that <laughs> keep, keep him from writing the letter, I guess. I, I think Pike's I think uh, Admiral Pike is just uh, having a go at him. Uh, no. <laughs> that was my headcanon. So um, Captain Pike time travels to the Enterprise during the wedding ceremony that we see at the beginning of Balance mm-hmm. of Terror, a uh, slightly different location. But uh, we have this the couple and he's totally you know, he's he's kind of out of uh, doesn't know what's going on and has to kind of uh, vamp and ad lib for a minute while trying to figure mm-hmm. out who's doing what here until the red alert goes off. Um, well, I, I like that he goes, don't know what was I saying? And she starts doing the line about, you know, some of the days of wooden sailing ships and all right, that. Right. Uh, the and it's it's nice to see him dropped into that situation. It's also interesting that in the in the balance of terror. So you have these two junior officers. Um, they work in the phaser control, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to get married. Kirk is going to marry them. But then there's this red alert. And during the course of the episode, we keep cutting back to them down in phaser mm-hmm. control. And like the woman is very determined. It's like, I'm going to marry you, mister. And then he dies by yep. the end of the episode. And right. she is inconsolable and Kirk has to comfort her at the end of the episode. And so we actually, it's kind of a dark ending for the original, for the balance of terror Um, here. She dies. And during the course of the episode and, and, and the other guy is left, you know, at the altar, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they do give that twist on it. People are, repla- are replaced. The, the the death is inevitable. Who it is, and that's kind of the theme, right? Who it is that dies is in question, but the the death is inevitable. Um, so let's talk about how they made conscious decision to in the production to really sell that this is balance of terror. There were things like the music, the background music, mm-hmm. totally evokes the original series. And is continuous, which is not something they generally do in New Trek. But in this one, they've been the music is continuous throughout in the background, which I think was really good. And there are some parts that are are directly lifted from Balance of Terror. It's mm-hmm. the exact music. Yes. I mean, in the exact part. Right. And the exact same line, the same blocking, the same character movements. Yeah. But they even like the way that they uh, certain lighting and framing of shots mm-hmm. where the classic one where they where they would have that close up shot of someone's face and have the eye light like right on the eyes. Mm-hmm. They do that several times. Um, it, there's the zoom. There's this, you know, the Star Trek zoom, you know, where it yeah. will zoom just right into someone's face. Yes. They do that several times. Yep. Yeah. They also use they use modern uh, filming techniques where during the zero gravity battle, they'll give us upside down shots, which yeah. is not mm-hmm. something they would have done in, in the 1960s. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, in this one, instead of the uh, the Romulan hating navigator that we had in the original, Ortegas takes his place. Styles. Styles. That's right. Styles is the original. Yep. Yep. So Ortegas takes his place as the Romulan hating navigator. Not she's not quite so antagonistic towards Spock, which would be kind of silly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because they're friends and they've been serving together for 10 years. But she's a little still a little um, suspicious of him when it turns out the Romulans look like Vulcans. Um, yeah. And so Pike says, OK, I've got to tell somebody what's going on. <laughs> so he tells Spock, who is his first officer, and 
And Spock's, Spock's first theory is, okay, you're crazy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is not an unreasonable theory to start with. Yeah. Um, but Pike's the one who proposes the mind meld. Uh, mm-hmm. and which uh, Spock agrees to and then verifies the story. And so his and advi- I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because um, Pike says, let's do a mind meld. Then you'll know I'm telling the truth. It's like, no, then Spock will know that you believe you're telling the truth. <laughs> but he could still think you're just crazy. Right. Right. Although maybe the memory is detailed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that would it could still be that you just believe it so much that that it, it seems true to you. Um. Spock's advice is, look, we don't know how how to deal with this. So just play out the scenario as if this was real. And that's what we get. We don't have him, mm-hmm. you know, sort of you know, second guessing a lot of the future stuff. He just plays it out as this is a real scenario. And what, we, what we're, we're getting here is Kirk is going to present the future, the terrible future. Pike will not if, if Kirk were in control. Um, and that's when we get. Jim Kirk showing up as captain of the Farragut, which is another ship, instead mm-hmm. of the Enterprise, because Pike's still captain there. Well, and, um, and the Farragut was the ship that Kirk was on before he was on the Enterprise. Right. Hasn't been transferred because Pike didn't have the accident. So what do we think of the new Jim Kirk? This is now the uh, third actor, right, playing Kirk after Chris Pine mm, and William not Shatner. Not counting kids. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, adult Kirk. Uh, what did you think of this Kirk? He's there. <laughs> um he he doesn't have to me he didn't have the charisma of the original Kirk but he didn't yes. really have to um he, I haven't seen enough of him to really have much of an impression beyond that yeah I I I generally liked him I generally you know I I think one thing I didn't like about the Chris Pine Kirk is he played the uh the 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 over the top mm-hmm. Kirk you know, where it was the, the stereotypical Kirk. Mm-hmm. And when you watch Kirk, at least in Balance of Terror, he's much more thoughtful than that. Yeah. He's much more you know reasonable. He's, he's trying to think this through. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And that's what I saw in that character. Um, now, whether or not that's going to continue when we see him next season, supposedly, you know, supposedly he will be showing up again in, in the, the second season. I don't know how that's going to look, but, you know, so we don't know what the character's going to be like then. But I, I like the way the character was portrayed. portrayed. There's like there were times where you could tell he disagreed with Pike. He did not like what Pike was choosing to do, but he was thinking it through. He mm-hmm. was you could see yeah. kind of, you know, he would kind of furl his brow and kind of his eyes would kind of like he's thinking about what Pike is saying. Uh, stuff he, like that. So. He wasn't insubordinate. He wasn't flying off the handle. He was willing to follow Pike's lead. All yeah. that was good. Yeah, there's the one one time in Pike's quarters where he was kind of questioning Pike and Pike said, and and by the way, you're on my ship after yours just got destroyed. And he goes, fair. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. The Pine Pike, Chris Pine Pike, uh, not Pike, the Chris Pine Kirk. Yeah. Was younger. So like he like they for some reason they had him just out of the academy and being captain of a ship which is yeah, which, which was ridiculous. Was we'll we'll be yeah. talking about that soon. Uh, that that actually is coming up in our rotation soon. Oh, that's um, right. I I, I, yeah. I liked someone's analysis of that movie where, okay, all the senior officers in Starfleet have been killed. And <laughs> Kirk is like, hey, my name's Halsey. Why don't you make me a captain? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So uh, they but this so this guy's older and a little bit wiser. I heard some criticism of the appearance of this actor that he looked too much like Jim Carrey. And they spent the whole time imagining him as Jim Carrey. 
Hmm. It doesn't bother me so much, but okay. Which didn't Jim Carrey at one point as part of a skit do a yes. Kirk impression? Anyways, I, so. I don't know if it was Sunday Live or that other show that he was originally on, the, which was a, a Mad SNL. TV or yeah, it yeah. was yeah, there was some SNL uh, clone. But yes, he did a he did a Shatner thing, and I'm glad this guy didn't try to do Shatner. Like that's mm-hmm, th- mm-hmm. that would have been weird and awkward. I think I'm glad he just decided to do his own take on Kirk. It's also nice that they have his brother, Sam Kirk, as a, as a regular on the Enterprise who can then give Captain Pike perspective mm-hmm. about his brother, Captain Kirk. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. I thought it was fairly fair perspective. Yeah, although yeah. I can imagine if my brother was asked to give an assessment of me, I, I might not think it, you know, <laughs> all that uh, completely accurate. Oh, come on, dude. Like, cause, you know, brothers. But uh, yeah, he, sa- yeah. he says that... Uh, Jim isn't above relying on charm or luck, as if that's a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't like to take the path everyone else does and doesn't like to lose. Kobayashi Maru. Uh, yep. And Pike is worried that means that Jim Kirk is going to start a war. That kind of the, the And that's really, I think, what sets Pike down as a, I'm going to be the not Kirk here. And... Mm-hmm. Maybe sends him down the wrong path because of it, because he's trying not to be the the loose cannon that he perceives Kirk to be. So. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I, even, I think even before he found out who Jim Kirk was, he was already on this the mindset of doing as he always does. He wants to find the path of peace. He wants to find the path right. of let's sit down and talk over a meal. You know, that that's that's. That's Pike, at least this Christopher Pike, you know, is right. sit down and talk over a meal and let's hash this out. And I. I there are a couple of times where, you know, Kirk said, well, let's do this. And Pike goes, OK, that sounds good. That sounds like a good plan. You know? Yeah. There is a debate at this point over whether attacking the Romulan ship is an act of war when mm-hmm. it's really an act of defense. Like, yeah, the act of war was destroying the outpost. Dude. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's kind of a, it was a weird debate. Um, and that well, and that's that's kind of that's the change point, because that same debate happened in Balance of Terror. But of course, Kirk decided, no, we need to attack. And yes. part of that was because Spock said, you know, you know, I agree, we need to attack. And Kirk looks at him and like, wait, you're saying this? McCoy was the only one in that episode who said, no, we shouldn't attack. He was still calling for peace. Right. Which Mamenga did in the this episode. And that's another interesting aspect here is that we, as we discussed last time, Mbenga is serving on the Enterprise in Kirk's Enterprise but it's not chief mm-hmm. medical officer here. He's still chief medical officer. So it's kind of interesting. And no bones. And no bones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. I have in my notes, Enterprise Bridge Crew, same in seven years. It's like, okay, it's just like on Next Gen, no promotions yep. in seven years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody wow, goes anywhere. That's, <laughs> that they really want to keep that flagship crew together instead of breaking it up and, and letting... Um, <laughs> letting them have a broader effect. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, a few in, people move uh, on in the fleet. Yeah. yeah. You know, the only, the only person who's not still here is La'an who has gone mm-hmm. over to become an officer on the Farragut with Kirk and everybody else. Number one is missing. Um, yep. We later find out she's in prison, but yep. everybody else is here. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, to, to finish out the, the, uh, this conference room debate that Kirk is the one that thinks they should attack to show that, that the Romans can't get away with it. But Pike is the one that says we should, we shouldn't attack. Um, they agreed to use the same comet tail maneuver to identify mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, Romulan ship, but this time to disable, not destroy. Um, and we see Pike worrying about Kirk. Uh, 
we oh, another thing that's interesting is the helmsman of the Enterprise is Mitchell, not Gary Mitchell, a different Mitchell, a female uh, Asian officer. Yeah, but still so Mitchell. Probably probably Gary Mitchell. <laughs> right. Just, 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 yeah. The gene swapping. Gene thing. swapping. Yeah, we just gene swapping. Well, she, she's she's been kind of a behind the scenes. She's been like a second tier character throughout yeah. the season. So. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. So uh, uh, Jenna Mitchell is the character. Um, mm-hmm. So Farrah gets destroyed. Kirk is rescued, um, including uh, uh, the rest of his crew. Laon is now a hugger, apparently, which is I thought was a yep. funny mm-hmm. like, oh, we're a hugger now. <laughs> she and comes he, in to give he call, a calls her. He calls her lieutenant and is like commander. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> so um so now we know that Lon does return to Starfleet uh, from her leave of absence. Mm-hmm. Um and this also explains why all that stuff at the end of the last episode where we thought people were leaving like you Uhura and Laon mm-hmm. why they did that then and not in this episode is because in this episode we're in the in the future. Um so uh, Pike offers a hand of friendship and truce to the Romulans, as you mentioned. We get that two-hour truce to repair our ships, bury the dead, which might lead to further friendship. It's kind of a dumb mm-hmm. <laughs> thing because, like, what's the they've they've already shown themselves to be the aggressor. What makes you think that they're not going to just use that time to prepare to attack you again with a device that you have no way of stopping? You have no defense against. So. Uh, not a smart move on Pike's part. Yeah, at the same time, we do have um, we do have similar dynamics as in the Balance of Terror. So, in the Balance of Terror, the original Romulan commander, who is played by Mark Leonard, um, Spock's also who also played Spock's father, um, was tired of war, and he has a tense relationship. He has a good relationship with a Centurion under his command, who's an old guy who's been on a lot of campaigns with him. And then he's got a tense relationship with a junior officer named Decius. And Decius uh, breaks radio silence and reports their what's been going on in their mission to the Praetor. Um, and here we don't have the centurion, but we do have the Romulan commander who is indeed tired of war, doesn't want Mm -hmm. to start a war, even though you were just here provoking one. Um, (laughs) and, and he's got a junior officer. No name is given for the junior officer, but presumably it's Decius who does the same thing, who, who during the truce reports to the Praetor. And this time the Praetor decides to bring a fleet and show up. Right, right. Um, what did you think of the 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 different the, the this Romulan commander versus Mark Leonard's Romulan commander, um, and how it was played and how it was written? I thought this guy did a fine job, but he's not Mark Leonard. No, no, no. yeah, it was that was such a good performance. I think it might be one of the things that made that that Balance of Terror such a great episode was the, his mm-hmm. performance there. And I saw a couple people online, especially for, you know, that, that famous end line in another, an alternate universe, I could have even called you a friend, you know, and that Mark Leonard portrayed it very differently. But, but then again, the contexts were very different too. When Mark Leonard did, of course, the ship was about ready to, was going to be destroyed and, you know, he was, he was injured and everything. And it was, you know, just, it was the end of his life. But in this case, in, in this episode, he, the, he was the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. You know, he was being culled from the herd. Right. And, uh, you know, very different context. You know, he, he wasn't injured at this point. You know, he just but he knew that his life was short. He was about to be 
blown up. Mm. In in yeah, in both cases, uh, this Romulan ship is destroyed. And yes. in Balance of Terror, it's destroyed because the Romulan commander blows it up as a matter of yep. duty. Here, it's it's destroyed by the Romulan fleet as an act of punishment for having allowed itself to get caught. But in both cases, the Romulan commander explains to Pike, this is, you know, it's this is just our way. This isn't one more duty and I'm OK mm-hmm. with this. Right. Yep. Um, and he does have that line that, uh, which is similar, I think it's similar to a line in the balance of terror, but I didn't watch it. So you can tell me, he says, he says to the subcommittee, we do not make decisions on my ship based on ego. Like he's very much like, we're not going to, uh, go against this truce and attack because of ego to prove ourselves. Uh, but we're going to, yeah. we're going to deal with it with honor. Yeah. And there's, there's no, there's no truce in balance of terror. So, yeah, that's a line that's unique to this. Right, right. But the in a different reality, I could have called you friend. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, OK, that's on my list. I, I'm keeping a list of paint by numbers, di- cliche dialogue. And <laughs> that's true. That's and true. that I've heard so many variations. Oh, we could have been friends if things were different. It's like, yeah, OK, thanks. You are the same. You and I, we are the same. You and I. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Kirk. Uh, comes up with a plan to deceive the Romulans into thinking that there are reinforcements coming uh, and takes the shuttle off to go execute the plan. We don't know what it is at this point yet, but it will eventually be he shows up with a fleet of uh, robotic mining, mining ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, with the hope that, you know, since we didn't know what the Romulans look like and what their ships look like, maybe they don't know what ours look like either. But I would guess they have they have scanners and can see that there are no weapons on board these. But, you know, we'll. Yeah, I'm 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 I, it seems to me they ought to be able to detect that these things are not actual yeah. ships, given what they've established about their sensors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we get the scene of Spock is trying to get the phasers working again. He's working in a Jeffrey's tube and we get an arm and we hear yep. but don't see Sc- Scotty. Scotty. <laughs> yep. I'm was... an engineer, not a miracle worker, Mr. Spock. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> so great to great to have at least we had speculated, are we gonna get a Scott a Scotty on uh, uh Strange New Worlds on the Enterprise now that Hammer's gone? Well we kinda did. My my, my headcanon is that Scotty. That's oh, my oh, headcanon. That oh, was that's Scotty's it, arm. It's totally Scotty, and it he's doing Scotty. an inversion of Bones' line. Yes. Yep. Um, and in fact, uh, I think in the credits, he's credited as Scotty. So that, that that's totally him. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, the fleet of Romulan ships that show up at the last minute. The neutral zone, even though space is really big, the neutral zone is about, you know, a, a half a mile wide in space. Uh, really, it uh, would be really easy to veer, to wander over that uh, accidentally. <laughs> um, but I think in the original, it was the same way. Like the neutral zone was like this really thin thing. Well, I don't know. It's the map in the original. It's it, it. It. I mean, it looks several light years wide. Yeah, that's true. Well, there was time to cross it. Right, right, right. Yeah. The map makes it look like it's wide. But the uh, when you see the two ships, they look like about two miles apart. Right. Judging by the size of the Enterprise compared to the distance. Right. This is kind of like the Battle of the Binary Stars. You know, this whole like we want to show all, you know, this huge array of ships that are going to fight and, you know, because we can and, you know, CG is cheap. You know, <laughs> we just you know, copy paste the ships into the CG, uh, the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, as you mentioned, we have the battle. Uh, they 
uh, Kirk shows up with the you know the the robotic mining ships. He uses them to save the Enterprise so that it can escape into you know the the warp speed. And the Romulans have declared war. And you mentioned Jimmy that the, the this one the bride is is killed instead of the groom from the beginning of the episode. Uh, we have Spock who's massively injured, and it's interesting. He looks like Pike will in a mm-hmm. sense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, after the, the the accident, as he goes to Talos in the in the menagerie, uh, so there's a there's a similarity there, which is kind of interesting. Um, and we the the future Pike tells Captain Pike that Spock would have been the best chance for peace with the Romulans because, as we saw in TNG, he's the one who goes he's the he's the Nixon who goes to China and he goes underground on Romulus to bring about you know to negotiate peace and to kind mm-hmm. of from the ground up from a grassroots level to change people's minds. Um, and every time Pike changes the path, Spock dies. Spock has also lost a leg in this and he looks like Darth Vader before he got the suit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> um, you know, one interesting thing. Uh, well, I, I, what was I going to say? I lost, I lost the train, but um, <laughs> something about uh, Spock getting injured, but I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully come back to that. So, Kirk tells Pike that he's sorry it happened that it way, the way that it did, that he, you know, tried something better that, that Pike did mm-hmm. than, than, than fighting and destroying, and even though it didn't work out. Uh, but sometimes you can't avoid the fight. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that there's no way, that there are ways to change the future, and they all involve Spock dying or being mm-hmm. severely injured. I find that hard to believe. Well, and this is, this is kind of like the... Uh, I. I recognize it like a uh, Avengers, Avengers. Movie, Avenger, on the Avengers movie where Dr. Strange says, I viewed, you know, 1 million, blah, blah, blah timelines. And there's only one chance of getting this right kind of thing. You know, the same kind of deal. There's only one way this is going to work. Yes. And it requires your sacrifice, which is kind of interesting. Yep. A similar thing. Um, there is a, a conversation that uh, Kirk starts telling Pike about his uh, background. And, we, and he says, talks about uh, his father. Sir George mm-hmm. uh, serving on board the ship that we see at the beginning of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. Can mm-hmm. tell him about, the, the, about that? The Kelvin. Yep. The Kelvin, right. Um, Spock, uh, back in the regular time, recognizes that he owes Pike a debt of gratitude after Pike has, tells him what happened. and in, uh, But without revealing the details of what he did with respect to Spock. Yes. And I wonder, is this the seed of what of what Spock will do in the menagerie? Is that the debt of gratitude being paid back? Yeah. You know, you know that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I kind of like that they're tying those together um, to really create that relationship between them. Uh, we do see that Uhura is still on board, by the way, at, at this, not just in the future at communications, but back in the, the present day, Pike's mm-hmm. present day. So she did not leave the ship, as we were wondering. Um, and we mentioned uh, that the end Una is arrested for being an Illyrian. Uh, this was had come up before. Uh, makes you wonder how they found out and whether there'll be repercussions for Pike for ignoring it. Yep. Um, and it ends with Pike staring straight into the camera. Mm-hmm. The, the last term- shot. determined look to go forward because this ha- isn't over. Yeah. Yeah. Having said this isn't over, he stares at the camera and we go out on that. Yeah, which is a very old school. Again, I think it kind of reflects that the old school's 1960s 
kind of shot that you would see. You wouldn't see this in a normal 21st century, you know, the, the normal today Star Trek. Uh, so it's kind of a fun, that last connection to the 60s there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, I remember what I was going to ask about, which is how this plot of the balance of terror hits differently in 2022 than it did in 1965 at the height, you know, not the height of the Cold War, but as the Cold War was pretty prominent in people's minds. What do you like? Mm-hmm. It kind of hits a little different because we're not in the same situation, right? What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, of course, we could talk about contemporary things going on with with Russia again. Yeah. And kind of how that would play out uh, today. I think would be very could be very similar. I mean, we mm-hmm. we're not in a cold war with Russia, but boy, it it's getting a little chilly. <laughs> you know, if you want to get to that point, but so I I think it could still I think it still plays out. I mean, obviously, yes, you can you watch the original Balance of Terror, you do see the politics of the time. You do see the the situation that they were in at the time. But but again, I, I think that could be very easily, you know, reinterpreted today. And I, I think this episode did a pretty good job of that, actually. How about you, Jimmy? What do you think? of? To me, the bigger question was, do you want to invite comparisons by so directly replaying an episode from the past? Hmm. Um, In DS9, they did it with The Trouble with Tribbles, but -hmm. that's a comedy episode. Yeah. And this is for drama. And so for me, the bigger concern was the artistic choice of deciding to retread a a very popular known story of a dramatic nature because there's a risk in that of you're asking for comparisons and mm. and accusations of you're not really being creative you're just retreading stuff okay okay um so final thoughts on this one equality and mercy father Corey? i, I kind of like the redesign of the uh the movie era Uniform. I thought they did a good job of that. Made mm-hmm. it look a little more military in, in to my mindset. You know that this this is you know it's it's the same uniform, but it's in a Starfleet that is in the middle of a war, and yeah. it looks better. It doesn't have the uh, bell bottom pants, the 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 baggy pants at the bottom like right. the the movie era uniform did. Uh, so I, I thought they did a they did a good job with that. Kind of updating it, updating it to match the look of New Trek without you know, losing, losing what, yeah, losing what it had before. So I, I thought that was a very nicely done touch that they brought that even brought that in at all. Okay. How about you, Jimmy? Final thoughts? I thought it was interesting the way they adjusted the language of the cloaking device on the Romulan ship and how it worked, because mm-hmm. in the balance of terror, they, they can't see the cloaked ship, but they can detect its general presence and they don't have an explanation for how that works because um Gene Roddenberry in the in the writer's guide for the original series said do not talk about how sensors work they just work and <laughs> right. and we're not going to go into details beyond that um and here they uh they say that even though they can't see the ship it it's like dark matter it has a gravitational presence and they can use micro lensing against background stars to track its general location and i thought that's really clever and that's very much in the news you know the idea of micro lensing so people will some people will know that 
I also think it's really unlikely that uh, something with the mass of a ship is going to be able to bend light from a star um, in a way that will allow you to do micro lensing around it. And it, <laughs> so I, I didn't think it was particularly plausible, but it was a nice contemporary spin on something that was there in the original. Mm. Okay. So that's uh, that's the season finale of the mm-hmm. of this first season of Strange New Worlds. I wanted to take a little time and talk about just a retrospective on the season as a whole and our, you know this first season of Strange New Worlds. We've got at least one more probably multiple seasons of Strange New Worlds to come. And yeah, just to, so. to kind of get your feedback, like what do you think? What what do you think of Strange New Worlds in general? Uh Father Corey, why don't you start? All I can say is best first season ever. No, um, yeah. no, this was this was very very good. You know, I was looking through the list of uh, the unfortunately way too short first season, um, and it was there. They were all good episodes at a minimum. Just you know, good. You know, not some of them. Like if I, I probably won't ever really watch the one where the the kid you know lift us where suffering cannot reach. You know, it, that was it was a good episode, but it wasn't like one of these I'm going to go on my way to watch. Some of these, absolutely. You know, I'll probably watch this one again at some point. You know, there's a couple others um, that absolutely would watch Children of the Common. I kind of enjoyed that one. Things like that. So there, there, even, you know, the Elysian Kingdom, just, you know, the fun episode. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, I enjoyed this episode, I, this season. I thought this was very well done. This is what we wanted. I'm going to just put it that way. This is what many Star Trek fans wanted was just good old fashioned action adventure science fiction yeah not preaching at us not trying to you know feel our together and our togetherness just <laughs> enjoy science fiction and I, I i could do that with this this season yeah. very much so so i enjoyed it yeah maybe the best season of star trek since deep space nine i think it's my that's kind of my quick assessment um uh, but mm-hmm. jimmy what do you think uh about this season of all the of all the new track, uh, with the exception of Lower Decks, uh, I'd agree that I think it's it's the best of the of the initial seasons on on um, of new track live action. Um, I think that on balance, I probably still would prefer I would enjoy Lower Decks more. Um, the just straight out comedy. Let's do it. It's funny move on. Um, but in terms of live action stories that are trying to be serious, these were good. Um, you know, it's not as great as, as the later seasons of deep space nine, but, but it's good. And I enjoyed them. Excellent. You know, one of the interesting things was I was thinking of like looking at the list, children of the comet kind of has an interesting echo of what's going on in equality of mercy, given that's also about determinacy, free will, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh you know, Pike fighting against the future in a sense and, mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. fated to do a thing that has an interesting outcome. So. And you've got a comet named after an automobile in Hebrew. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, excellent. So uh, I am so looking forward to future Strange New Worlds uh, seasons. Uh, no news as far as I've heard or even rumors really of when the next season's coming. I hate to say it's kind of wish it was coming Should be soon. next year. Yeah. Should be probably. next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, at this point, I don't think uh, we know when we are supposed to get the next season of lower decks, but that hasn't been 
released yet. The, the mm. uh, January it was summer 2022, but later on, like I think in May it was uh, later in 2022. Late, so things have kind of been pushed back. Summer, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll we'll cover it when it gets here. But uh, in the interim, we'll be we'll be they doing are, our. They are. Yep. They are filming right now season two of Strange New Worlds. We do know that for yeah. a fact. Yeah. But again, you know, so that could be a year from now. Right. Right. Um, we did have some listener feedback in general. Nothing specific I wanted to call out per se. Just a few things I want to follow up on. Last episode in All Those Who Wander, I, I mentioned that Una uh, motions to her wrist while saying to Pike, hey, we, you know, the time's Time's slipping. You got to give your speech. And I was like, oh, interesting that she would make a wristwatch uh, reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone, I forget who, I didn't save the the uh, message, sorry, but uh, did did mention that Kirk actually has a wristwatch in Wrath of Khan that he looks at. Yep. So there's that. Uh, we yeah, talk- so it's, it's retro cool again. Yes, yes. Uh, watches watches will come back. Uh, so the uh, the end credits, as we we talked about, the end credits are indeed the TOS style font. I did st- stick around to uh, to watch mm-hmm. the end credits, uh, the TOS style font, and similar music too. I noticed um, someone uh, had uh, some mention. Someone mentioned the way I pronounce Uhura, uh, and pointed out that in the actual Swahili is would be Uhura, and uh, I I grant that. The fact is. I've been saying Uhura for nearly five decades. I'm not going to be able to change now. <laughs> that 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 track is determined and set, and that's how it's going to be. So sorry about you that. You touched your time crystal, didn't you? <laughs> did. Yeah, it, it's 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 a fixed point in time, is how he pronounces it. Yes, it is a fixed point in time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you'll just have to grit your teeth every time I say it. Uh, and uh, someone also pointed out that I forgot when I was talking about good portrayals of Vulcans in Star Trek. I forgot to mention Zachary Quinto, who uh, yes, he does actually do a pretty pretty good a very good uh uh, depiction of spock and that that was one of the highlights of the jj abrams movies so uh, i think that about does it for this time we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of star trek including tom o aaron d amy g lee h and drew m their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we would love to hear what you think of A Quality of Mercy or the whole season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Next Generation episode, Hide and Q. And uh, coming up in a few weeks, we'll be talking about the TOS episode, Arena, featuring the original appearance of the Gorn, so that'll be fun. But until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Well, thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, I'm an engineer, not a miracle worker, Mr. Spock. And yes, that was a Scottish accent. Sorry. That was just Irish with bits in. (laughs)